the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. What makes Rose Cleaners the best in dry cleaning? They do my laundry the way I like it. The wonderful customer service. Personal quality. I have some things I like done with my clothes that I ask for, and it's always done. They do good work. I just love Rose Cleaners. Very excellent customer service, and uh, they've made me very happy since I've been here. They've got friendly employees when you walk in, and um, they haven't lost any of my clothes in 19 years. Rose Cleaners, serving San Antonio for over 20 years. And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Hi, I'm Eric Galindo Training Director for the FSI Training School For individuals and businesses we offer certification courses in CPR and First Aid through the American Heart Association and also the Vehicle Safety Inspector course for the Texas Department of Public Safety. Courses are available every week for your convenience. Call me, Eric, at 210-314-2615. That's 210-314-2615. Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour. It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible, have fun, and win valuable prizes and resources for yourself, your family, your church, or favorite ministry. Here's how it works. Listen to the Bible Live Scripture Reading Program. Weeknights at 8. Not a program about the Bible, the Bible itself. Hear a 15 to 20 minute reading each weeknight. The entire Bible every year. Then on Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the past week's Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Soapy Dollar. Here we are, Thank you for joining us tonight for the Bible Live, the quiz show. We are here to uh, ask you some questions from the Bible. Our Bible reading schedule at this time of the year, we're reading through the books of Genesis, Exodus, and Leviticus. We started in the first 
first week or so of November, toward the end of October there, we always begin with uh, our journey through the Bible, starting in uh, Genesis, the the uh, first book, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. And then here this coming week, we will turn our attention to the uh, Greek books of the New Testament. We'll turn to the Gospel of Matthew, and we'll be reading, wow. of course, uh, the Christmas story. Wow. Do you know what this weekend is? Are you here? I don't see your needle moving. Uh, maybe his microphone needs to be adjusted. But, um, um, Can you hear me now? You're just barely moving the mic. The, the, uh, listen, if I get any closer to this thing, I'm going to... Okay. Well, well, John's got you fixed up here. He's... Uh, Speaker as loud as you can. Jacob's a little weak tonight. He said he's a little under the weather, so maybe that's part of it. I don't know. But hear me now. Am I alone in the world? I think you're. I I can barely hear you even through my headphones, Jacob. But we'll. John's working on it, so we'll get that fixed up. We'll move to the Gospel of Matthew this coming week, and you'll read there the the birth of Messiah, the birth of birth of Jesus of Nazareth. And we'll move on through the Gospel of Matthew. Then we'll go back to uh, Numbers and Deuteronomy in the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, in the Torah, in the Pentateuch, uh, the first five books of Moses, the books of the law, they're known. A lot, a lot of different names for those particular books. I, I don't hear you at all, Jack, uh, Jacob. I really don't. This may be an improvement for everybody involved. <laughs> uh, I only hear myself. <laughs> That's, well, I've noticed that. Which I cannot complain about that. I generally don't mind, I guess. Oh, no. But, no, I um, J- uh, John is working on it to see if he can get you to show up. Talk to me a little bit. Sure. What would you like to know? No, they're just hearing you through my microphone, I think. Okay. So... Um, well, John's going to work with you there, and I'll continue to tell you what we're doing. We're reading, we read this week Leviticus chapter 2 through 19. Leviticus chapters 2 through 19. And we read Psalms 22 through uh, 25. So we'll, um, we'll look at those. Now, some people may ask, well, this, this, we're getting close to Christmas, Sophie. Can't we, uh, can't we talk about Christmas? Of course we will. We're going to be picking up there, as I said, with the birth of Jesus from the Gospel of Matthew. But frankly, from any point in the Bible, we can talk about Jesus. We can talk about the Messiah. We read uh, Psalm 22, for example, I mentioned, and it's considered a messianic psalm. I long considered that even before Messiah was born. And you have this description of a, of a form of execution. Can you hear me now? There you go. Oh, John fixed me. I How did now you do that, John? NASA, can you hear me? Oh, his microphone is plugged into a different plug. All right, all right. Here so, we go. Can you hear me now? We can hear you now. Great. Loud and, clear. and since you mentioned the word Greek, I want to tell you what this weekend is. All right, let's This do. weekend is the week. This weekend now no, or the, the like, yeah. coming weekend? Uh, behind us. Okay, behind Okay. All right. This weekend is the weekend in the year 246 that Ptolemy required the Jews to translate the Torah into Greek. How about that? Yes. Everybody knows the story. It had been attempted 61 years earlier. It didn't work out for whatever reason. Uh-huh. And then 61 years later, Ptolemy, the Greek Egyptian, he had them, he put them in 72 different rooms, and they had them translated. And every, a lot of Christians know that story. You've heard the story. We're talking about the Septuagint. I am. Okay. And that's really the first five books. Okay. It's nothing else. But here's the deal. Uh, that's the, basically uh, an agreed-upon history, except... 
What they don't tell is that when they did it voluntarily before, it was done voluntarily, but for some reason it didn't work. But this time, this last weekend, in the year 246, uh, all their families were taken hostage, and they said whoever comes out with a different translation, all their family will be killed, which encouraged everybody and ensured the Greek Romans, uh, Greek Egyptians, to ha- that the Jews would translate everything correctly. Well, that's more, that's motivation. That's not kind of anything we want to brag about, but I assume that I guess that gives a level of uh, a level of um, confidence in the translation that would have been. Well, I'm I'm just glad they all had good marriages. Oh yeah. Because so, yeah, I see what you mean. There, there but, someone but, might the, but the truth is, they would have done it voluntarily. Yeah. But uh, to ensure the accuracy, they actually took all their families captive. About two hundred and fifty years uh, after it's Messiah, two forty-six, two forty-six mm-hmm. A.D. And that is Ptolemy. That's that name. That was Ptolemy. He's a historian, right? A, a well, he was historian. a ruler. He was a ruler. A ruler. Okay. And Greek, he, Greek Egyptian. Yeah. And he mandated that they translate uh-huh. the Torah. You're uh-huh. saying the first five books into uh, from from Hebrew into the Greek, and that mm, became what we call the Septuagint. That is correct. Yes. The seventy scholars and all that uh-huh. sort of thing, right? Well, yeah. Great. The piece of story it's usually left out is the families being held hostage. Uh, yeah. That was just this this weekend. That huh? was uh-huh. this weekend in the year two forty six. Now yeah. we have an anniversary to keep, don't we? A little interesting detail from. Uh, I just wanted to say that because I read that today, and I knew you had mentioned something about Matthew coming from the Greek. Right, exactly. I, well, the Greek, you know, the New Testament, primarily written in Greek, right? Um, I and, think the ones that we have, that's correct. And the Hebrew scriptures, primarily written in Hebrew, Aramaic, uh, I suppose. It's just Hebrew, right? Uh, I will tell you this. Um, there was a famous Christian author named Origen. You've heard of him. I've heard of Origen. Uh, he's got a five-volume set of works out. I've actually read them. And in there, he claims, no, I don't know if it's true, he claims, that he read the Gospels in Hebrew. Originally, but I've always wondered. Well, what happened to them? But uh-huh. anyway, the ones we all have today came down through the Greek. Yes. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Fascinating, actually. Uh, anyway, there you have a little little bit of snippet of background about the Bible, the scriptures that we read that we have today. Uh, you can call us anytime in the next. Uh, well, I was going to say ninety minutes. I guess we're down to seventy-five now, almost. Oh, I talked too much. We have some questions coming from Psalm twenty-two through twenty-five, and and from Leviticus chapters two through 19. And if you want to help make the connection between the uh, passages we read from the Hebrew Scriptures, the Old Testament, into the New and the relationship to, to even to Christmas and the birth of Messiah, uh, go right ahead. I, I think there's a clear line that the, uh, I uh, was teaching this morning out at Lackland Air Force Base with the basic trainees. And I gave, I always give a little bit of an overview, Jacob, for because when the trainees come, to, they come, these young men and women from all over the United States, for all the different states, and they come from all these different backgrounds, and so very many of them, if, when I look at a class, let's say I have a class of 100 uh, in, in sitting in front of me, if I were to ask them the questions, how many of you would say you really know the Bible well? You're very familiar with the Bible, you know you know, the front end from the back end, and you know the, you know the Old Testament, New Testament, you know basically the the... The, the narrative that the the Bible gives to us uh, uh, from beginning to end. How many of you would say that? And usually about out of a group of 100, you'd have maybe 25 or 30 who will raise their hands and say, yeah, I know the Bible 
pretty well. But if I ask the opposite question, uh, say, how many of you would say, I don't know beans about the Bible. I don't know uh, front, back, front end from back end. I, I don't have a Bible, never read the Bible. Um, just haven't grown up like in church or something. Hadn't been part of my uh, upbringing and my culture, my family. How many of you would say that? Another 25 to 30, maybe a little higher, 35, will raise their hands and say, don't, don't have a clue. And then, of course, the rest of them are all kind of the murky middle. You know, they know just enough about the Bible to be dangerous. Uh, and that would be human beings. <laughs> human beings, right. They're exactly right. But that's, it's always so interesting. So I, I try to give a little bit of an overview for those who don't have an idea or understanding of generally of the Bible, at least in the big picture, kind of an overview, quick run through about what the Bible is all about, Old and New Testaments and the central figure of the whole idea of the Messiah, the Redeemer, the redemptive plan of God and so on. So um, maybe we can um, count on our listeners knowing a little of that. as we, Even as we listen to uh, the so songs. So we're asking for people at No Beans to call. If you know another human being, you can give us a call tonight. Or if you are a human being, you can give us a call. The phone number is 340-9585-340-9585. If you happen to be listening via the Internet uh, anywhere in the continental United States, if you'd like to chime in, you certainly may call us as well, 877-630-5757. We have a toll-free number for you, 877 630 Five seven five seven. So, um, but here locally, three four zero ninety five eighty five. You can be a part of the Bible Live Quiz Show. I'm going to ask you three or four questions here from the Psalms twenty two through twenty five. And in Jacob, uh, it's gotten to be our little bit our tradition. He all he guides us to some questions from the book of Leviticus, particularly when we're in the Hebrew Scriptures, some questions to kind of guide us in our thinking and uh, give you a test of your Bible knowledge from the book of Leviticus tonight. From the Psalms, let me ask you this. In Psalm 22, Psalm chapter 22, verses 12 through 18, David describes a form of execution, um, capital punishment, that didn't even exist at the time it was described. Uh, what was that form of execution, and what nation invented it? Now then, Jacob, as always, has got his view of this, a little bit a different uh, historical view than I've come up with, but I don't totally disagree with it because I, I'm thinking there, there's some legitimacy to it as well. But I'm, I'm looking, I'll give you a little bit of leeway there if you get even Jacob's answer or mine. What was the form of execution mentioned in Psalm 22 uh, and what nation invented it? And I'll give you a little flexibility there and uh, we'll, we'll try to get that from you. Psalm 22 it's uh, considered a messianic psalm. So uh, you can answer that question. Or, I was a shepherd in my youth, and I drew upon my experiences as a shepherd to write Psalm 23. We read this famous psalm this week, Psalm 23. So I was a shepherd in my youth and drew upon my experiences to write the 23rd psalm. Who am I? Who is the author of this famous poem, this famous psalm that we have. Now, let me give one more question, Jacob. We've got some interesting psalms this week. And let's see who we can get to answer this question. Um, what, um, 
Okay, I'm going to ask you a Psalm uh, twenty, uh, Psalm twenty-five question. Psalm twenty-five, verse eleven. David asked God to honor His own name. Asked God to honor God's own name by doing something for David. What did David ask God to do in order to honor His own name? Psalm twenty-five, verse eleven. What did David ask God? to do. All right, there's three questions from the Psalms. Would you like to go ahead and get some questions from Leviticus? Yes, uh, I'd like to say two quick things if I may. You may. I I have kind of got a cold, so I I sound a little funny tonight. And number two, I left my glasses, so I don't have them. So we're all going to hear. It's gonna can't be, see, can't read. It's going to be an adventure can't to see talk. what it is we're reading tonight. <laughs> all right. And number three, remember last week after the show, you and I went out and grabbed a bite? Yeah. And uh, we talked about something, and uh, and you made such a good point. I did want to take a moment and say this. Okay. Um, I thought about this all week, and you're 100% right. And you know, when I say stuff, I do tend to bring it from perhaps a Jewish or Hebrew point of view. Sure. That's why we have you here, man. Okay. But we I like that. Well, thank you so much. But you also pointed out, and you're 100% right, uh, that doesn't make me just right. It just gives a different point of view. And uh, and I think it's important that all the Christian listeners understand that they should listen to what their preachers say, what they learn, what they understand the Bible to say, because that's what they understand it is, and I don't want to ever be responsible for discouraging anybody. So when you brought that up, I thought, you know, Soapy's 100% right about this. So anything I say, I'm just giving a different additional perspective. I sort of treat it, treat it like going to Luby's. You can take what you want, you leave what you want. <laughs> it's a buffet. We should call this the Bible Live Buffet instead of the Bible Live Quiz Show, right? Yeah, but I don't want to call it the Live Buffet. <laughs> the life. Oh, that doesn't sound too good either. I agree with you. No, I, I, I like the point. I, I appreciate you saying that. I don't think anyone who ever listens to us and knows us knows that you are, you know, you would ever try to discourage anyone in their faith in their walk. But it, but it is something we kind of have to keep a guard on. Because, and I have to think, say the same thing, Jacob. When we talk critically of the scriptures, and I don't mean critically in terms of like putting it down, criticizing it. I'm talking about with critical thinking. In other words, when we talk about the historicity, we talk about the uh, the different records that we have and so on and so on. Uh, we're, we're sharing some things that we've read, kind of fruit of our research and understanding, and uh, but never intended to undermine the your confidence in the scriptures, in the in the biblical narrative, in the gospel message, uh, any of that. Uh, but mainly, and I think this is what Jacob mainly does, is he enriches our view and our understanding of the scriptures and of, of the way that God has revealed himself. To me, frankly, Jacob, any time I've ever listened to a, a, a Jewish scholar, uh, particularly through the years, I've heard a number of, of great Jewish speakers and professors and so on. Oh, thank uh, you. Teaching. Oh, you're not talking about me. No, I wasn't, but that's all right. You, I will. If, I'll include you in that number if you want. <coughs> but every okay. time I've joking. heard them, uh, sometimes preaching in our, you know, our Baptist churches or in our different congregations or speaking to our campus crusade staff, that has always enriched my understanding of the scriptures and never once has undermined or discouraged my faith in Messiah. So I, I'll just I'll throw that out at you just so you don't feel like too Thank awful you. guilty. But uh, I appreciate it. As, as you Jews are want to do, right? Guilt That's isn't right. that a, a well? It's thing? actually three Jews, six opinions. <laughs> oh, okay. No guilt involved at all. No. All right. You 
you ready to give some questions yeah, from sure. the book of Leviticus? I, I would like to use your number five. And please pardon me, I'll read this as best I can since I do not have my glasses. Uh, it is, which, which offering was presented by those unknowing, who unknowingly sinned against God or who sinned without, uh, out of negligence and weakness instead of intentional rebellion against God? Do you like the question? I love the question. Okay. And well, I, I'm learning from you, barely, you know, slowly but surely. I'm learning from things. It's an interesting thing to me, Jacob, that uh, when you first started talking to me about this, that that Jews in the Old Testament and the, and the Jewish uh, scriptures here, they have sin divided up into different kinds of sin, right? Am I getting that? Am I saying that with the right words, terminology? You, yeah. You have, uh, I forget what you said. Uh, Certain sin, certain offerings were made for sins when you unknowingly, um, you unknowingly um, sin against the Lord. Sometimes there were intentional sins, and sometimes there's a difference between when you sin against the Lord or when you sin against somebody. Uh, else. You know, like in the Psalms, when it sometimes it'll say, I believe it's 52, it says, "Forgive me of my sins, my iniquities, and my transgressions." There you go. Uh, well, sins, iniquities, transgressions. Right okay. now, sins were unintentional. Okay. Iniquity is intentional against another human being. Okay. Transgression was considered, uh, and I'm using the English words, of course, and transgression was intentional against God. Okay, so the, the acronym would be SIT, S-I-T. <laughs> I'm trying to so get I can remember. So sin is unintentional. Uh-huh. Iniquity is uh-huh. against another human being. Uh-huh. And the T, the uh, uh, transgression, transgression uh-huh. would be, uh, was it like intentional in transgressing God's laws? Is that the idea? Yes. Uh-huh. Well, of course, any sin ultimately uh-huh. is a sin against God, right? Well, yes, it is. But since we're in Leviticus tonight, I thought we'd be restricted by what it actually says. <laughs> <laughs> they, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> That's a really good little... Uh, line you through into that was really good. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we got the question number five. Which offering was presented by those who unknowingly sinned against God, or who sinned out of negligence or weakness instead of intentional rebellion against God? And that's Leviticus chapter four, verse one. And of course, the answer is rather obvious in light of your explanation to us. But which offering was it that was presented for those who unknowingly sinned against God? Okay. Uh-huh. Another one. The answer is found in four one. Are you going to answer question number? Uh, ask question number six as well. Uh, six, six, six. Uh, oh no, no, that's no, a different. No, I was going to ask number seven. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> when one made restitution for damage to someone else, they pay damages plus what percentage? The answer is in five sixteen. How about that? When someone was uh, you. You sinned again. You offended someone. You broke the law by offending an individual, and there were damages involved. You you were to repay their damages plus a certain percent. What was that percentage? Mm-hmm. And it's chapter five, sixteen, verse sixteen. Okay. And then your number ten. What were the three kinds mm-hmm. of voluntary peace offerings? And the answer is in uh, seven twelve, seven sixteen. Now, are you going to give us a little bit of explanation about those? I was those? hoping. I was hoping. Well, we're going to wait till uh, they answer the question first, huh? I was thinking so. Okay. Is there any more? You want another well, one? Well, is that three? Uh, do I do one more? How about the Hebrew word, for the meaning for the word atonement? Ah, number twenty-four. Uh, twenty-four. Actually, I uh, okay. Yes, uh, you could do that one. And, and yeah. twenty-two, twenty-three actually kind of blend into that, but twenty-four okay. is good. Oh, okay. Uh, 
Uh, what was okay on the Day of Atonement, which is called Yom Kippur even to this day, one yeah. goat. One oh, you don't like this question. You don't necessarily agree with this. This was my own little. No, it's just funny. I, I laugh because Yom means day, and you said even to this day, even to this Yom. Yom. right? Yeah. Uh, on the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, one goat was sacrificed as a sin offering, uh-huh. while the other goat, another second goat, was taken yeah. away from the camp and released. Azazel. Uh, Azazel? Azazel. Is that what that means? Uh-huh. Well, look at that. How about that? Uh-huh. Uh-oh. Azazel just made the bad music come this up. This is Christmas music coming up. Okay. Oh, good um, music. Good music. So what was the name given to the second goat? That's the name. Of, that's the question from number 23. Well, there, our first segment is already under the belt. Uh, we've got about 25 seconds here to say good bye to you for this segment. Yeah. Don't go away, though. We'll no, be right back. Calls, we'll take so. Harold's phone call. We'll take we got a couple more on there. Well, okay, one more. And uh, we'll come back. 340-9585. That's the uh, Bible Live Quiz Show phone number. So don't go away. We'll be right back with more from the Bible Live Quiz Show. Dr. Stan Shelton, with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway, has taken care of the Dollar family, that's Suzanne and me plus our three children, for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. Nature's Factor carpet cleaning expert, Shayla James. What makes Nature's Factor better than the older carpet cleaning process? Older systems saturate your carpet, leaving your space unusable, sometimes for up to a day because of their long dry times, plus leaving you with the risk of fungus and the dangerous chemicals left in your carpet. With Nature's Factor, our quick dry time makes your home or office space usable almost immediately, while our green solutions eliminate the possibility of fungus and are perfectly safe for your children and pets. Nature's Factor, carpet cleaning for the 21st century, 831-3535. Well, Elizabeth and I went to Express Lube, and our experience was fabulous. We got in and out of there in literally 20 minutes. When we went to work and we had got our oil done before, it could take us two hours. The service was very friendly. You can really trust them. They were super courteous. They vacuumed out the entire front of the car, which was surprising. I didn't expect to receive that kind of service. And their name is their game. Express Lube is accurate for the name of their store. And with 23 stores, there's an Express Lube near you. I want you to meet my friends at the Laptop Specialist. Pioneers since 1982 in serving the military, business, and personal computing needs of our city. Our ministry depends a lot on our computers. And whether it's repairs, service, upgrades, or even the purchase of a new machine, the James family and their great staff keep our equipment working, freeing us to do what we're called to do. Go to the laptopspecialist.net or call 344-4563. 344-4563 for their two locations. The Laptop Specialist. Download the new KSLR app to your mobile device. Take us with you wherever you go. Download it for free at kslr.com. Oh, come, all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. Oh, come, oh, come to Bethlehem. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Come and be 
adore him this is that week christmas week i hope you and your family are having a good one and a good christmas season and getting ready for a great celebration this coming uh, what is it thursday the 25th uh, is that right christmas eve and we have family coming in from town to various parts of the state of the great state of texas and we're going we're looking forward to a great time two-year-old grandbaby in the in the house that's going to make a big difference kind of enriches a Christmas uh, celebration uh, with children involved. I hope you and your family are looking forward to a great time, some good food and some good fellowship and uh, and a deep, deep joy and celebration this Christmas time as you celebrate your own confident, secure relation with relationship with the Creator, with God himself made possible for us that we can live with that confidence and that joy and that delight by the redemptive plan of God, what he has done to purchase our redemption so that we could be made right with him. Uh, What a wonderful time of the year. I have rehearsed. Hang on, let me get your. Um, I got to hit the right button. I rehearsed. You ask if I rehearsed it? Uh huh. No, no. I just. It's just every uh, rehearsing for sixty-six uh, Christmases. I guess would uh, be the idea. Well, we uh, we've got our questions out there, Jacob. We want to take a phone a call. Let's see what we got. Let's go. Um, let me grab one. I think I've got Harold on the line here. Harold, are you calling in tonight? Let me. I hit. Don't got to hit the right buttons. Harold, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Good to hear from you, buddy. What's up? Well, I've been thinking about Christmas and all that. I'm well, sure I, I you ought to be. I'd be yeah, surprised. I'd I'm be surprised if you weren't. Well, and what's kind of funny is that y- y'all were talking about singing and everything, and that kind of tied into what I was thinking about. I actually went through an experience this weekend where I believe God hardened my heart for a little bit. But I caught it somehow. Um, you, know, it, you know, it was just past my birthday, so my boy, I have a few more okay dads, you know. So uh-huh. I, you know, and so he was going to drop off a package, and I asked him. He asked me to go with him, and I said, uh, "Would you mind stopping by the graveyard and looking at my dad's grave real quick?" No, sure. So we ended up half hour later. We're sitting outside the graveyard, in you know, and we're pointing at at the gravestone. And I'm getting ready to drive off. We're talking about my dad and everything. And then I went, oh, my God. He goes, what happened? I said, we got to get out of the car, Harold, and we got to walk over there. You know, when I pass away, I don't want no drive-by visit. You know, <laughs> I want some visitors, you know. And so so we went over there, and, you know, we touched the grave. And we, I'm showing him that, that you know, I'm acting fine. I'm not all tore up. And uh-huh, uh-huh. So he can maybe have this remember then i drive to my grandmother's grave and i say i don't i don't know why i miss my grandmother more than my dad and he goes harold dad he goes you spend more time thinking about your dad doing for your dad even after he's gone and less for grandma and i I just thought that that was amazing and it took me to that christmas story uh, I heard you saying something about Christmas, and, uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. and you can't hardly help it. You know, it's, uh, it's all around us, isn't it? Verse, it is. It's, it's, it's everywhere. Matthew chapter two, verse ten, and it's very interesting. It became interesting to me this year. 
It says, When they saw the star, they rejoiced excitedly with joy, with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, we know as kids, the story goes there were three kings. Uh-huh. But the Bible never really mentions three kings. It mentions wise men, but it mentions three gifts. Uh-huh. So, I'm thinking, four times in these two verses, the word they was mentioned. And, I th- and I've heard pastors say that you've got to be careful with Matthew, because it's a very Jewish translation. And one of the clues to me is that, is that these things aren't numbered. There's not an account, a number, of how many. It's they. So, and I think that they can be us. They then, they tomorrow, they now, the Bible's everlasting. And so I believe when they saw the star, we can see the star. And when they are excited, we can still be excited. And um, when they see the child, you know, it's mentioned four times. So I think it's meant not to have an ending. I think the word they, because I think, I, I don't know if you agree or not, you don't have to, but if they would have said three men, and then this one person did this, and second person did this, uh-huh. and the third person did that. I, I like that it myself. Good. I'll be honest with you. I, I spend a lot of times when I'm reading the Scripture trying to er, insert myself into the text, getting into the moment, in myself, kind of trying to glimpse and experience as best my imagination can help me get into what was it like to be there what was the setting what was the the social setting what was the climate what was the weather what was the the is there mm-hmm. danger imminent danger in other words trying to get into the spirit of the text well, Sophie, of the time that we're living so and Harold I have a question for you both yeah Harold are you ready <laughs> yes I'm here all right but are you ready <laughs> he's ready I'm ready as I'm going to be <laughs> okay well here's a question Okay, so whatever it is, three wise men, three kings, and they saw a star. Now, how did they know what that star in the sky was supposed to mean? How did they know? Ooh, 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 ooh. Oh, I know, because, I know, I know, I know. Because it doesn't say, but they seem to know. And uh, have you ever thought about that? Well, I have, but I have went back to some Egyptian thinking uh, where they were looking for the star of Osiris and uh-huh. Isis and all that stuff. And they actually stumbled across, while looking for that, they stumbled uh-huh. across this occasion. And I don't know if that's what Sophie was there or not. He seems to have the answer. Sophie was there. Now, come on. I'm not that old. You guys. No, no. <laughs> Sophie was there. Uh, no, but I, it, doesn't it I relate? I mean you were there. I said, huh? I thought you were saying I was there. And I would go, man. No, no, no. Okay. I said, you're... A good friend of mine. I thought you might answer. I yeah, no, no. I I think I remember Jacob's uh, some of Jason's, Jason Jacob's comments from years past, <laughs> and some of the things of my own gleanings is this was uh, this was related. I mean, this this star was predicted. I think uh, it, it, now I may be wrong, but here it seems like even Daniel had something to do with the, uh, predicting uh, some kind of a star. There was a star that was it Moses and the. Uh, what was that? That yes. that sorcerer. That was that, Daniel chapter nine. There was a sor- There was a sorcerer who tried to uh, 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 prophesy against Israel in the. Um, well, let's let's say this. Uh, I'm about to rock everybody's uh, 
perspective somewhat. Okay, that's all right. Um, but and we're, if you tune in next week, we're going to get the answer. But for right now, okay. um, it's uh, the star that the story says Jesus was born under is not a first-time event. Exactly. It was also shined over the birth of Moses, right? And over the birth of... <laughs> Abraham. Oh, you got it. <laughs> so, no, so see, it's not the first time event. So, no, no. And, and, uh, and so they knew this because these men, Magi, they studied the stars and yeah. the movements of the stars and that sort of thing. They, they took significant well, Is the star still there now? I mean, is there going to be another showing of well, the star? Well, I assume that star is still Either there. Guy? I think that star was shined over the night that I was... No, not the... <laughs> the night I was born. Yeah. No, uh, I'm, I'm, I shouldn't say that. That's I think risky, that was right? moonshine. Uh. <laughs> moonshine, okay. Well, okay. Anyway, I'll let y'all... You know, uh, I was going to say one thing. My Another thing, actually. My sister Barbara, she's getting ready to go to uh, probably an outpatient... Uh, ordeal in the hospital with uh, her her liver. They're going to do a biopsy. And stuff. Uh-huh. One of the things also I've learned, and it's the thing thing about these numbers and stuff, is like when I'm going to visit her, I'm not going to ask her, you know, how many people came to visit. You know, we've talked about that before. Uh, interesting, yeah. And uh, because you know it minimizes the importance of the person that's there. Yeah. And so that's something I've learn to practice. Yeah, that's pretty interesting. Uh, Jake, uh, thanks for calling in here. I appreciate it. Jacob has mentioned the idea of numbers and the reason they didn't count, you know, the census of the people and all. So um, uh, the whole idea of reducing a person to a number, I guess it always has that that possibility of insult, you know, or in some way, diminishing the person. But, uh, well, let's pray for Barbara. Barbara, we ask, Lord, we ask you to be with Barbara, Harold's sister, and help her to be strong. Uh, help her to experience your presence, your peace in the middle of this ordeal that she's going through. A lot of folks this time of the year, as Jacob sneezes and snorts around, he, he, a lot of people are going through a little bit of illness this time of the year, the, the winter time and so on. So we just uh, take care of yourself, folks, and Jacob, and uh, we pray for you as well, that God will give you strength and health, help you to overcome. These are, it's a wonderful thing that God has given us these bodies who fight, fight against, um, um, you know, the viruses and that sort of thing. It's an amazing thing that, that God has done in us. I do want to mention this. Someone has called in as well and said, could you please mention where we can find the Bible readings? We're not reading uh, on the air anymore, on the radio, Monday through Friday, uh, but we do have all of the readings on our website, thebiblelive.com, or just biblelive.com. Either one of those will take you to our website. And you can find there uh, the Bible readings on the same schedule that we followed now for 15 years. We're in the book of Leviticus. This week we'll turn, uh, finish Leviticus and go back to the Gospel of Matthew. And you can go there and find the uh, podcast, those different broadcasts. Uh, the schedule is there so you can find out which one you want to listen to and hear uh, any portion of the scriptures. In fact, once we get them all uploaded to uh, iTunes and to YouTube and so on. Uh, we're working hard at it, but I think we have all the readings for at least for this season up there. If you'd like to go to thebiblelive.com or just biblelive.com, you can uh, download for the podcast to your own apparatus, to your smartphone, or just listen to, listen to it there at your computer as well. 
And then, of course, you can also find the questions that we're asking on a Sunday night. You can find the list of the questions, and next Sunday's questions will be there, posted tomorrow, so you can find out what questions we're going to ask, and you can get ahead, study a little bit, and uh, call in and answer some of the questions as well uh, for us on the broadcast. And as proof that I am not above humbly accepting correction, Okay. uh, Bernadette called in. Good. And she's a a lady that I'm familiar with, I know, and uh, she's uh, she corrected me, and I want to correct it because she's right. She's, a, I, she's an English uh, uh, teacher, yes, professor? She, oh, she knows English back and forth, and I've just learned she seems to also know Greek. Because <laughs> okay. she said it's not pronounced as I was mispronouncing it, Ptolemy, but it's just pronounced Ptolemy. And, but I did look it up while we were speaking, uh, while you were talking. Ptolemy. Ptolemy, and it's, uh, he gathered 72 Taurus ages. And he sequestered him, and he was the Greek Egyptian emperor at the time. Well, yeah, I could have told you that. It wasn't the Psalms. Well, you don't suffer from yes, uh, pneumonia. Pneumonia? Yeah. <laughs> you, you could have told me that? <laughs> I could have told you that. Well, I'm so glad, because I, obviously <laughs> I misspoke. But fortunately, I know people that do know the right answers. Ptolemy, and that's she, right. Okay. She was kind enough to call in, and I said, well, call in, tell us on the air. She said, no, no, I don't want to do that. Uh, and I said, well, you don't have to worry about that. It's okay. If I make a mistake, by all means, it should be correct. Well, Bernadette, thank you for Accuracy calling. Accuracy is more important than me winning. <laughs> <laughs> that is quite an admission, Jacob. That, that's very good. Uh, okay, there you have it. Uh, no one has answered our questions yet. Let, let's throw them out there one more time. In Psalm 22, David described a form of execution that at that time didn't even exist. What was that capital punishment? What was that form of execution? And what nation invented it? Psalm 22. Uh, from Psalm 23, I was a shepherd in my youth. And I drew upon my experiences as a shepherd to write Psalm 23, often called the Shepherd's Psalm, right? Mm-hmm. Who am I? Who, who is the author of that you know, when psalm? when you say, who am I, it makes me think. I heard, believe it or not, I heard an interview with Jerry Lewis today. He's, he's 90 years old. Uh, really? Yeah, yeah. They were talking to him, and he said, uh, he said, you know, he's been, him and his wife were both taking some type of drug that helped the memory. Uh-huh. And he couldn't remember, and he couldn't remember the name of it. And he says, now, he said to the guy he's talking to, he said, what's that plant that's a flower that's big and red and has thorns on it? And the guy says, Rose? And he said, yes, right. Hey, Rose, what's that drug you take? <laughs> uh, uh, well, there's one thing to forget a flower. There's another one thing to forget your wife's name, yeah. right? That's, Jerry is in trouble. Well, let's go to the Leviticus questions. We have five of those. Which offering was presented by people who unknowingly sinned against God or who sinned out of negligence or weakness instead of an intentional rebellion, an intentional act of disobedience. So which offering was presented by those who unknowingly sinned against God? That's found in chapter 4, verse 1, the book of Leviticus. Chapter 4, verse 1. When one made restitution for damages that to someone else, if you... Uh, you, you you committed a, a sin, a, a wrong, did something disobedient to God's word, and you damaged someone else. 
you paid their damages plus a certain percentage. Actually, that's the biblical establishment. This and Exodus is the biblical establishment for what's called the tort system that we use in America. When you, this is what gives you the right to sue somebody yeah, for our money. And so the Bible system, itself right? establishes the tort system. That's right. Exactly it is. Well, there's a lot more that it has influenced our own culture and society uh, many, many more ways besides that, particularly even in our judicial, in the judiciary, in the, in the branch of our government. Well, what were the three kinds of voluntary peace offering? What were the three kinds of voluntary peace offerings? Huh. Is that a good question? I think all your questions are good. It's just that some are more gooder than others. <laughs> okay. What were the three kinds of the voluntary peace offering? The answer is found in chapter 7, verse 12, and chapter 7, verse 16. Hmm. I'm not even sure I understand my own question. Well, that's okay. On the Day of Atonement. I'll Yom tell you what, since, since we haven't got a call, because there is there is basketball games and football games and okay, all that stuff okay. on the day. So let's, what do you say we talk about this Day of Atonement business? Okay. On the Day of Atonement, Yom Kippur, uh-huh. one goat was sacrificed as a sin offering. While another goat, the other, the other goat, the other my goat, grandbaby would yeah. say, uh, was taken away from the camp and released. Uh, now, now we're in agreement at least about that happening, right? Yes, but it only happens one day a year. I know, yeah, the Day of Atonement. Uh-huh. But I just want to make sure because we have a little difference of the way we interpret that. Yes, I, yes. But about, about what happened itself, uh-huh. we don't have a difference. There were two goats. It was right. mandated that right. one be killed, right. Right. and his blood was sprinkled on the. Uh, on the uh, and on on and in front of the altar on the altar yeah. and, and taken into the holy wow. of holies yes. over the uh, yes. uh, uh, ark of the covenant yeah so the but the other goat was not killed he was taken out of the camp and so I have a certain way of seeing that in light of the New Testament that I want to mention but and, and then you can correct me what was the name given to this second goat okay. Chapter 16, verse 8. And then we ask the question, in Hebrew, what does the word atonement, you know, we talk about the day of atonement, what does the word atonement mean? Is that a significant definition? Uh, it's, yeah, it's okay, sure. Okay, all right, all right. There you go. You but, want to talk, let's talk yeah, about it. Yeah, let's talk about it a little bit. Now, wha- remember last week we visited the issue of the golden calf. Yes, we did. Yes, we did. And we decided, I think, collectively and correctly, if I may say. That it wasn't your fault. Well, you had nothing to do with it. It was the mixed multitude. <laughs> but the Jews did a politically correct thing, went along with it, which was more of a grievous sin than the other guys, because the other guys didn't know. Uh-huh. Okay. So, and when, so when there's, uh, the Levites uh, slaughter some of the guys... Uh, it's only Jews that get killed, not one of the mixed multitude, because they were not held accountable. The Jews were. So, now that was the sin of the golden calf. Can I insert in here, isn't that, was it that moment when uh, Aaron and the Levites were elevated to position yes, of being the priesthood? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Now, so, now, Yom Kippur has not occurred yet. No. No. A few chapters later, Yom Kippur occurs. It's explained and initiated, right? Yes, but you know what this is about? It's when Moses comes down, he's got the first set of commandments. Okay. He breaks them on the golden calf, right? And they go through all those machinations. Then he goes back up the mountain, he comes back down, he goes back up again, and God says, now you broke them, you carved some new ones, and I'll write on them again. Now, that is Yom Kippur. That is when God forgave 
everybody for the sin of the golden calf. You see, so at Yom Kippur is when the second set of tablets were given. And that, you know what I read into that? Uh, well, I, I, I could not restrict you from your enthusiasm, please. <laughs> All of a sudden it occurs to me, though, that, okay, in a way you're talking about redemption. You're talking about forgiveness. Uh-huh. And, and yeah. so uh, they were forgiven from that egregious sin against mm-hmm. God. Mm-hmm. They were forgiven, but it did not lead to the destruction of the law. No. The law was, it was, it was remade. I mean, uh, Moses carved out the stones and God wrote on them again. And, and like sometimes people say, well, we're not under the law. Like our redemptive plan has done away with the law. Yeah. Redemption and forgiveness and cleansing doesn't do away with the law. Yeah. In fact, it, it more firmly establishes it. So anyway, it just occurred to me that if, if that were true, then there would not have needed to be another set of the law. But no. Right. The law is there for us to walk in. As uh, God's that's people. right. And I would agree with that 100%. And so, but you know, what I always like to point out to people is that you see, the sin of the golden calf is a great sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I say it's kind of a political correct sin for the Jews. It was an error in judgment of the other people. But when God forgave it, that's the day of Yom Kippur. And as you say, that is the day it was forgiven. And this is why it's called Day of Atonement. Now, when you're talking, well, I know there hasn't been, been a question about these two goats yet, but when yeah. you get there, I'm going to show you how, why that occurs only on Yom Kippur. Why that, what occurs? Those two goats you've been talking about. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, it only occurs one day you're on Yom Kippur. But oh, exactly right. Yeah. But why? Uh, uh, we'll get to it. Let's see okay. some To me, it's a picture of, in a sense, of the redemptive plan. But I want maybe uh, is our, that a gallon picture or a half gallon? <laughs> a half gallon, yeah. a quart. Uh, but no, let me see. Maybe Mike can clarify it as well. He might have an answer for us. He about might. What What do these two goats symbolize? What and, do they? And all three of us will us? have a mic. All right, let's go and find. I've got a. I know I've got to hit a button here yeah. and to bring Mike up on the uh, microphone. Hi there, Mike, on the microphone tonight. How are we doing, Mike? Good, Soapy. Great to hear your program. I missed you all week long. I don't have the computer myself, but um, so I'm, I'm, I don't. I try not to miss Sunday night. Thank or you so much, well, Michael. Anyway, um, I wanted to. Uh, uh, I, I think Jacob told us a uh, sell for that second goat. That oh, he's right. What we call the scapegoat. Uh, the sins were. Oh, good. Yeah, you got that. That's the answer to that yeah, question. You got it right. The scapegoat. Yeah. Azazel is the word. Huh? Azazel. Uh, Azazel. Azazel. And what does oh, that please. mean? Uh, uh, the the, ga- the goat to be removed. Oh, okay. But it's also become personified as a, a, a character, a personification of some kind of evil thing that was out in the desert. So it actually picked up the idea of a personification, if you like the, that term. But it is, uh, it's sending the, now, what's important about this is that the reason it only occurs on Yom Kippur is, what we're reading about Leviticus, it has nothing to do with the individual. It's only for national errors, national sins. This is national only. So when those goats are there, that only has to do with the nation itself, not the individual. For the individual, there is actually... No actual on Yom Kippur. There's no animal sacrifice. Now, why would that be? Because 
the Yom Kippur business was for intentional. And, it's, and the offerings that we're reading about in Leviticus are for unintentional offerings. Sin offerings. Uh-huh. Sin offerings. See, uh, our, our guy Jesus, he, uh, he got it correct. When he was on the cross, he said, uh, forgive them, they know not what they're doing. He didn't say, hey, forgive them, they know exactly what they're doing. Because you cannot use a lamb for an intentional wrong. You can only use it for an unintentional. So your question that you've worded here is absolutely correct. Wow. I'm brilliant, and I didn't even note it. How about that, Michael? Yeah, that's right. Mike, uh, any re- response to that? Any kind of your mind? I've got a little bit of a response I want to ask you about, but I want to give you a chance first to respond to what Jacob said there, if you have a thought. <laughs> uh, no, that's good for, for me to sense though outside the camp. It's a figurative, symbolic, um, yeah, good art. Um, uh, something that really makes me sad, though, um, was the story of uh, the death of Aaron. Um, Moses, Aaron, and, and Elisa went up Mount Hor. Yeah. And and then um, Moses took the priestly clothing off of Aaron, put it on Eleazar. His brother. Aaron died on, on Mount Horn. They both had only two come down. Yeah. And I, I, I've been I've been troubled all week um, uh, about uh, was God mad at Aaron? Um, it seems he loved Aaron so much. The his uh, staff flowered. Yeah. He was the elected one. And then all of a sudden, three go up and two come down, and Aaron's gone. And oh my gosh, I said, did, 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 did God turn against Aaron? Was what? what hmm. Is there kind what, of a tradition about that? Well, I would like to suggest we also don't know exactly where Moses' body is buried. And I'm going to suggest that the reason for that is historically appreciated that it has to do with uh, if we knew where the body was at, we would have very similar to what Islam has with Muhammad. His site, his death site, would become a shrine and a place where everybody must go. So without that, we don't have that, you might that say, turning a human yeah. being into an idol. Yeah. But but Aaron, he's talking about Aaron. Yes, he is. Aaron's death. Uh, is there any kind of a... No. idea that somehow God was displeased with Aaron? No, no, I don't. He was just I, old, right? We, we know to... later on that when the only sin that's listed against Aaron and against Moses is not anything that we'd expect. The sin of the golden calf is not listed as the sin that God is mad at Aaron about. So we know that that was something that was forgiven. So, and even with Moses, when he goes up on the mountain, yeah. and he says, well, you can't go see Israel because, uh-huh. and he gives the reason. It has nothing to do. What's that? Well, we're already through another half hour of well, our program. You, we've used up another perfectly good half hour. Another perfectly good half hour. Uh, Mike, thank you so much for calling okay. with your question. We're going to continue talking a little bit about the scapegoat. Okay, I'll be there. All right. We're going to talk a little bit more about the scapegoat. Uh, I have a thought about it as a picture of the redemptive plan of God. And, and frankly, it says that, you know, if sin is the enemy of humanity, it's the enemy of our relationship with God, the cause of the rupture and the break in our fellowship and relationship with God. We need much more than just forgiveness. We need the sin taken out of our lives, not just forgiveness. And so we'll come back and talk about that in a moment. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. You can join us. Pum, pum, pum. 
This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. I love that song. When we come. Sometimes I've been known to cry during that song, Jacob. That's so sweet to me. The idea of the little drummer boy and and he doesn't have any gifts to bring. He said, but I'll play my drum for thee. And, in, and at the last, he turned his eyes and looked at the little girl. Oh, I just even I'm talking about it. it's so touching. I don't know that uh, that uh, God offers what we bring to Him, our praise, our our worship, uh, however humble it might be. God receives it. Whatever we bring to Him, He receives and He blesses. And he multiplies it, so we have even more to offer. I, well, you know, I like since that. we're talking about that. Uh huh. Um, and I know this goes into the other question that you. We better wrote. get right to it because these thirty-minute segments yeah. are going by That's fast. Right. Aren't so, they? in chapter four of Leviticus, and I'm sorry I don't have my glasses, so bear with me. It's verse one. Uh-huh. Uh huh. God said to Moses, saying, uh, and by the way, when it says "said" and then saying, it means that you're supposed to repeat it to others. Okay. Um, speak to the children of Israel, saying, when a person will sin unintentionally. From among all the commandments of God that may not be done, he he sins when he commits one of them. Did you notice? Now, I, I know in today's world, sin is everything. I, I understand it. That's fine. Well, it's English, yeah. So. yeah but but um, Although we do have those other words, transgression and iniquity, you do, you but do. we don't give them that... No. Special meaning. Right. That but that's the definition. Did you notice the ancient definition of sin? It has to has two qualities. One, it's unintentional. Two, it's doing something which he said that not supposed to be done, and you've done it unintentionally. That was a sin. And as you read in, like, I think it's chapter 7 of Leviticus, you'll find that a lamb is used for sin, but not for the intentional stuff. Now, I'm not saying that... In today's world and in today's, uh, especially in Christianity, that it can't mean everything because in that is how it's taken. It means everything. But back at this time, it was very clear that it was two things, unintentional and doing something God said not to do. Those two requirements. Do uh, you personally or Jewish people in general today, do you still kind of regard, do you still think in those terms of kind of clear definitions of these different kinds of Mess ups, <laughs> yeah. Sins, <laughs> yeah. yeah. If God said, uh, "Don't rob a bank," and I rob a bank on purpose, I did that on purpose. That's not a sin. That's a transgression. Well, that would be iniquities, sure, because I robbed somebody else's money. Oh, and iniquity. Uh-huh. It would be a transgression. So, so you could, you could actually, it could be a transgression because God said not to, and it would be an iniquity also. Okay. So y'all do, you still do kind of think oh, yeah. in terms it's, of... It's a definite definitional uh, operation because you're looking at, now this, this, this means this, this means this. And actually, getting a driver's license is more difficult than following these rules. <laughs> oh, I can believe that for sure. I, I, can't, I couldn't keep up with it all, and I, I could get my driver's license, but this would be... It seemed like it would be a little more difficult well, to stay you up you know, you got me. white lines and yellow lines and all that stuff. You, you know those because you're familiar with that. You're just not familiar with this. But if you read 4.1, it clearly says the two requirements. I, okay. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I guess I, I have gotten the mentality, Jacob, as a believer, as a follower of, of, of Christ, of Jesus, that his atonement, his cleansing, that all of my sin is forgiven and cleansed and washed away, atoned. And so I no longer think in terms of sin. I don't focus on doing this wrong thing, right thing. Uh, I'm focused more on now. Of course, I'm aware when I mess up, and I, I'm I hopefully I, I try to be quick to confess that sin, acknowledge it, uh, turn from that sin, and, and and receive by faith my forgiveness. Mm-hmm. But I don't and, and categorize. And, and, and I'm not I deeply think it's fair involved. To say you regard it if you know you intentionally did something or unintentionally, you still regard. Uh, Jesus' atonement has taken care of both of them. The both, yeah. Uh The both. And and I understand that, and I would encourage every Christian to continue to believe that. And and all I'm doing is saying what this is outlined word for word in here. Exactly. Well, it makes sense to me. And and if it is that way, and that's what the scriptures say, and I believe you, I'm sure it had a reason. There was was something, there was an important reason for it being that way, and it... it, uh, Worked out uh, either for that particular era in time, or maybe for all time. We're still kind of considering that. I wanted to talk a little bit about this. Um, two things. One, as I remember, Mike, we were talking off the air that Mike called last week at the end of the program and asked a question about Messiah. Uh, asked a question about could you can you believe it? Could you be a Jew and, and, and believe? And trust in Jesus as not only Messiah, but the Son uh, of God, uh, the Redeemer, uh, the Savior. Uh. And um, and we didn't get a chance to answer that. No, and I thought Mike was going to bring it up. It's going to be a bring little, it up. Mike, are you listening? Uh, he's listening, and I and I bet he's uh, wondering. And so we, we and we mentioned. And it's off your the fault, Soapy. You cut him off. I, I probably was. Yeah, it's all your fault, Soapy. But we mentioned to ourselves last week. We got to remember to get back to that question. So uh. let's talk about that. And then also, I want to talk. Now that we are talking a little bit about Yom Kippur, uh, I'm I'm going to expand a little bit. I'm going to say that Yom Kippur, to me, when I read it, and I think of the Day of Atonement, and if, if, if I think of it in the broadest terms of God's redemptive plan, uh-huh. that what is the provision that God has made for uh, for His people right. to be reconciled to Him? And uh, of course, we understand the idea of the guilt and the, sin, the, the soul that sins shall die. The, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. In other words, um, God. God judges sin, and he does. He's not the great grandfather in the sky that just says, "Oh, I'll, I'll overlook it." In your case, that he does, sin had to be judged. He is a just and holy and righteous God, so he had to judge it. And that brings us to the atonement. The, the not only this first goat that whose blood was shed and, and sprinkled on the uh, Ark of the Covenant, but if we're thinking about Jesus and, and the redemptive plan there and the, through Messiah, he had to die. His blood was shed on our behalf. So that, uh, you know, he who knew no sin became sin for us, as Peter put it. Okay, so that's one, that's one goat. May I suggest care. symbolically a lamb without blemish is yeah, the way that Leviticus would use it. Exactly. The lamb without blemish. No, no broken bones. We're talking about the Passover. The, they had to be a perfect lamb and all. So we get that picture. But just in terms of Yom Kippur, the first goat is a mm-hmm. picture of what we call justification. And that, that, that is where the, the sin is atoned and cleansed and, and removed as an issue. But, as I've often said, we need more than just forgiveness. Well, we when we say we, I, I, I really want to stress this. I think that, to me, this is important. 
this goat business, uh-huh. this is not for individuals. This, this is goat business. Yeah, yeah. This is, uh, this I'm not is, in the, I'm not this in the is business for of national business. wrongs. Okay, I know. I know you said that, and I, I do realize that this, uh, I don't know what how that statement relates to this particular obser- observation. Well, the law in America is abortion. Okay. Okay. And let's say is it, and I would say that most Jews, most Christians, probably think there is some problem with that. Mm-hmm. And yet the nation has made it a law. And so let's say that God. Okay. So God says we're not supposed to do that, but it's a law. So somebody has to take care of that national retribution. I see. That's good. I, I, I do understand it. Right. Uh, and and hopefully they will take care of that. I, we've been praying and working that way for many years, but. Now that as a picture of of God's dealing with provision for our sin, I would say that one is that the blood, the cleansing, the forgiveness, but also that we need more than just forgiveness. We need actually the sin actually removed, the sin principle removed. I need the sin taken out of my life, the tendency, the selfishness, the the fear that causes me to sin. And and that is a picture of what we the aspect of, of salvation. Uh, well, that then we bearing that in mind, let me sanctification. Compl- yeah, let me complicate this just a tad okay, more okay, for okay. you. But keep hold on, because I want you to kind of blend what I'm going to say into what you're saying. Okay, we're talking about going to the temple and the animals that are offered at well in the desert. It was called a mishkan, uh, uh-huh. the tabernacle, the okay. wilderness. Later, the temple. But that's what we're talking about. It gives these rules. Then suddenly, in the middle of all this, they start talking about what's kosher for you to eat. Now, isn't that interesting that that kosher idea occurs in the middle of Leviticus, what you're offering these animals at the temple? Have you ever noticed that or given that any thought? No, I haven't. I, I haven't thought of that in particular. I haven't put those together. Uh-huh. Actually... I've only thought of this just yeah. because I thought, well, two goats, that's unusual. And then I thought of the idea that the first goat might symbolize the aspect of salvation called justification, where our sins are forgiven and washed away and cleansed. Mm-hmm. And then the second goat might represent the work of sanctification, which is also a, a part of our salvation. God hasn't, just, God hasn't just done this work of redemption to forgive us. He's also... Carried a complete work of salvation. That not only is He going to forgive us, but He's going to take the sin out of our lives. He's He's going to make us holy, and you shall be holy, as the Lord your God is holy. And so, this what is called sanctification is an aspect, but that's also a part of our salvation, and it's pictured for us a little bit, I think, by that second goat that is taken out of the camp. The sin is removed from God's people, and and, and I I like the picture of it because it encourages me because. Uh, not only am I forgiven and cleansed and granted access to into the family Let of God, me, but God may is I, working to may purify I strengthen, my life. May I strengthen your example? Ah, thank you. Uh, <laughs> in the in the book of Leviticus, it actually words translate into into English. Uh, when the goat the, that's going to be offered to the Azazel offering, you know, uh-huh. the, the one that gets the sin on it, when it's brought in front of the temple, it's actually referred to as a live goat, but when the sin is put on it, it no longer uses the word it's live. It's now dead. Are you talking about that first goat? Uh, the, the, goat the goat that's going to be sacrificed and sent out of the camp, uh-huh. it's always referred to as you shall bring this live goat. Oh. But when you put the sin on it, it's no more live. 
The word live is no more used. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Kinda. Now, you can certainly relate that to a thought in the New Testament, can you? Who well, talks about the old man is dead? And, and uh, well, let's, I was, I was thinking more like uh, the wages of sin. Is being death, dead. That uh-huh. kind of stuff. So it no longer refers to the goat as being alive. Mm-hmm. Isn't that interesting? Let me just offer this in, for time's sake. Maybe if you can catch what I was driving sure. at. Sure. Uh, why would these kosher laws about how you eat be in the middle of what we're offering to the temple? And then if we take that idea and then we go over to the New Testament where you get maybe Paul, maybe Jesus saying, hey, you know what? You are the temple. Uh-huh. So you okay. see, you had to take a lamb to the temple that was unblemished, right? Uh-huh. Right. Well, if, and then you've got these kosher laws in the medical of Levit- middle of Leviticus. And you, what it's telling you is, just like that temple exists, you're a temple, and you only put good things in you. So in the New Testament, it phrases it in such a way it says uh, that, uh, uh, what's the phrase? It's, Don't um, you know that your body is a temple? There you go. Spirit. That's the yeah. phrase. Now, where are they getting that? Somebody making that brand new? No. They're illustrating what this is, because in the middle of doing all this righteous stuff, unblemished to the temple, it's telling you, and when you put food in you, yeah, like the temple. Why would that surprise us? Paul was a Jew, you know, right? Yeah, but, but you know. Uh, Don't you know that your body I'm, is a temple I'm, I'm of the Holy Spirit? I'm suggesting that yeah. probably nobody catches that and puts yeah. that together, that what it's really talking about is you. In fact, if I might say, when people come back and say there are no animal offerings today, I always take great pleasure in that because I say, really? There's nothing, no animal offerings today. Well, let me suggest this to you, that your table is your altar. And everything on your altar, your table was once alive. It died so you could live. And what do you say? You say grace over it. thanks. Because you're offering it to the temple, you. So when they say there's no animal offerings, I would say that most people do animal offerings two or three times a day from their altar, from their table. I do find that interesting because I've also, because of teaching the scriptures and teaching to these, uh, for example, these uh, basic trainees out at Lackland Air Force Base, a lot of yeah, a lot of them don't, don't have a lot of like Bible background and yeah, so on, and, yeah. and a, a number of them have said from time to time, "What's all this killing of animals and so on?" But the Old Testament is so bloody and so on and so on. And of course, there is a theological aspect to it that God was communicating something about sin, the seriousness of sin, the consequences of sin, and so on through communicating through the the symbolism of of, of the offerings and so on. But at the same time, there was a practicality to it. Uh, those most most of those offerings went to in some way to use to benefit the the priests the and Levites their families. That's how they feed their ate. families. That and was, that's the way that's they. Right. So there was a double. One was kind of a practical way of fe- mm-hmm. feeding the people, the, mm-hmm. the you know God's shepherds, the mm-hmm. the feeding the the, the Levites, sure. taking care of them. And it, so by giving their offerings, the people were not only that personal theological application of. I'm having my sins atoned and so on, but they were supporting the work of God through their leaders, Now, if you'll be so leaders, kind right? with me, I know this is from chapter 1, and tonight we'll still be doing chapter 2, uh-huh. but if you look in chapter 1 of Leviticus, you'll know it says you bring an offering Oh, from gosh, we, we went all the way through chapter 19 of Leviticus, yes, so you're fine. Did. Okay. <coughs> pardon me. <coughs> you're pardoned. So what you got is, it says it shall be from your flock... Your flock. Uh-huh. You That's true. It? it is. Say and that. why is that? Because you're supposed to have an emotional 
attachment to this animal. Now, you know the new story, the story in the New Testament, where Jesus goes through and he tips over the tables of the money changers. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, those guys were not Jews. By Roman law, they were not allowed to be Jews. And what they had implemented was you had to be a merchant from another nation because the Romans did not trust the Jews because they might give a fellow Jew a break, which probably was true. So he turns it over because it won't let you bring. You're violating what it says in Leviticus. You can't bring your own animal. you got to buy an animal from them. And then they had a little vicarage, a little something for themselves, a little something for the priest that bought the office from Herod. And the majority of it goes to Rome. So these guys, are these money changers, are not Jews. They were not allowed okay. to be. Well, now, wait a minute. Let me clarify that because uh, you're talking about just the ones that were in the temple selling. the. Because yes. Ma- Matthew, uh, Levi, his uh, name was, he was a money collector, and so was Zacchaeus. A tax agent, yes. But they were not in the temple. No, you're they're, talking, not, they're not in the temple. You're just talking about the ones that were That's serving right. there that in the temple. That is correct, okay. yes. I'm talking about the incident where he turned over the tables. Sure. Okay. And, uh, and, I, and I understand that because he's saying, look, Leviticus says you have to bring it from your own flock. It has to be something you're attached to, and you're not. This, this, and they're just using it to make money. That reminds me of David. <laughs> Didn't David have an incident one time where... He said that some kind of offering. He wanted to purchase something, and and he said, "I won't, uh, I won't offer the God something that didn't cost me anything." Mm-hmm. What what was that? That's when he was buying the location to build the first temple. To build the first temple, yes. he bought that land. How's that off top? Which of was head? a re, which was a re, a repurchase really, because the land had already been bought once well, by Abraham, right or not? Well, actually, yeah, that's very interesting you say that because. The land, because everybody can say, oh, God gave us the land, whether it's the Muslims, the Palestinians, uh-huh, the Jews, everybody uh-huh. can say that. But you will find that the land itself was actually purchased. And the requirements for a, a deed of purchase <coughs> pardon me, is the buyer, the seller, the piece of land, and how much. It uh-huh. has to be legally described. It is all there. In fact, in 1948, when they had the trial in the United Nations, uh-huh. uh, Ben-Gurion, said, the land is ours. And the guy who was in charge for the United Nations says, well, these people have been living there for 2,000 years. How can you say the land is yours? And he says, we have a deed. It, and he says, well, you're going to tell us that God gave it to you? They'll say God gave it to them. He says, no, 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 I have a deed. And they introduced the Bible. It's, it's meets, it's bounds, the buyer, the seller, the price, and how much as a deed. That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was that. It made me think, your example made me think of David when he bought that property that was going to be that they would build a temple on. And the guy said, no, I'll give it to you. That's right. And he said, no, I won't offer to God something that costs me nothing. Which is a a beautiful little thought in and of itself, and it kind of relates to what you were saying. And then remember back in Exodus, it said you shall take the lamb and you take care of it without blemish, and you keep it for four days till you get attached to it. And then it gets sacrificed. And, of course, the, the Egyptians didn't like that because the lamb was an Egyptian god. And so, but the Jews were sacrificing it. So you got all this business going on. The struggle, as it says in the book of Ulysses, uh, it says, the struggle of mankind is always to be free of myth. That's a f- powerful statement. It really is. <laughs> so powerful, I have to think about that a long in time. In fact, may I comment. say, yeah. because you had mentioned something about the star and all that stuff, uh-huh. if you go back and with Charlton Heston, you look at the movie The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston. Yes. In the first five minutes of that movie, you will find, and people don't catch this because they're not sensitive to it, like perhaps a, a Jew's sensitivity might be A there. mention of the star? It says, the guy says to the, the pharaoh, hey, 
there's a, these guys think there's a, a redeemer coming, a savior. And he says, well, I don't believe that. And the guy advising him says, wait in the first five minutes. And he says, well, it doesn't make any difference. If you do, they do. And he says, and I got to tell you, there's a star out there that proclaims his birth. They're actually telling you about it. <laughs> I do recall that, actually. I, I, you mentioned to us before. Very, very good. Well, we've got two things I want to get in uh, before we end the program this evening. And one is that for our old friend Murph's sake, we oh, want yes. to kind of go through and review the answers. All good. And I also want to talk just a bit. We probably won't get into it as deep as Michael might have wanted us to. But he asked a question last week, and I, and I think we ought to face it straight up and, and, and uh, maybe discuss it briefly. He said yeah. uh, he was wondering, you know, because we talk often about we as Christians, uh, Gentile believers, that we are really buying into yes. the Jewish revelation. We're, you know, the Jewish Bible, the Jewish prophets, the Jewish God, the Jewish scriptures, you know, the, the Jewish Messiah. And we have a welcome mat out for you, by yeah, the way. Yeah, and, and so we have, uh, you know, millions of us have come into that understanding of, of, the, of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And because we've come in through the avenue of, of Jesus, the Messiah, that... We trusted who he was, that he was that redeemer, that savior that God promised. And now a lot of believers, a lot of Christian believers aren't aware of that. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, through the centuries, you know, we just focused on the redemptive plan of God. We don't realize it has its roots back in the Hebrew scriptures, back in in, in Old Testament uh, Judaism. And so uh, we we emphasize that and we we talk about it here. Now what Michael asked was... Is it possible, can a person be a a Jew in good standing, he said, and believe that Jesus, not only is the Messiah, because you've already answered that for us a number of times, that, yeah, you you can believe anybody you want is the Messiah, uh, although to me this is a little difficult because I I put these two things together, and evidently uh, in some Jewish thought you don't. But you said, but can you be a Jewish, a a good Jewish person, in good standing, and believe that that Jesus is not only the Messiah but the Son of God, the the, the in, God incarnate, God with us, you know, uh, Emmanuel, and all the things that we're told there in the New Testament. And and you, I, I won't say sadly, I won't even character. I don't know how you you would place it, but you said actually no. Okay, uh, you said so in, you can, in good standing. First uh-huh. of all, I want to say that a person is entitled to have their own religion, whatever they want to believe. Of course. And if Michael wants to say, I'm Jewish and I believe in Jesus as the Messiah and the Son of God, okay, I mean, that's for him and he can do that. Would he be accepted in the Jewish world is the real question. As a member of a certain synagogue yes. or if something he went, like that. If he went there and he says, I believe that Jesus was the Messiah, the truth is if you can get past that issue, because as you said, and I've said before, it not prohibited to believe anybody might be the Messiah. Certain things have not been fulfilled, and that's why there has to be, in the Christian world, a second coming. But, actually, what the second coming is what the Jews are looking for. So, quite frankly, if he said, but I they believe he's be the first son... <laughs> yeah, but he's... Uh, Didn't you have a joke one time that some rabbi said, first question I'm going to ask him is, have you been here before? Didn't you say that? That is true. That's a guy, actually a guy here in town. He said, that's the first and, uh, question I'm going to ask said, Jesus. Were so, you here before? If he, said, if he said, I think he's God or the son of God, then they would say, well, we wish you luck, but you can't be here and be with that thought. Okay. That, that's, 
nothing like a straight up clear answer, right? Uh, and maybe uh, if we have a well, may I show something? And I, this is something I really want to stress. Maybe we have a Jewish listener that would yeah. have something to add to that. If yeah, you want maybe. to give us a call, three four zero ninety five eighty five. And, and I want to stress this real quick. We always seem to concentrate on that one particular point. Now I understand it's a tremendously important point. However, let's you know even the Muslims have their own view of religion. But if they weren't doing things and harming people, we could tolerate their thoughts of their religion a lot better, right? So, in the Jewish world, of course, they don't have, and Christians don't kill people, the Jews don't really kill people, so you don't have all that business going on. But what you do have is this. You have a lot more in common about the rules from the Judaic Christian God uh-huh. that makes it much more compatible. There is a difference, and I understand the importance, especially for the Christian, of that difference. However, there's a lot more, aside from that one point, there's a lot more that makes the Jews and the Christians united on how they view God, how they see God, about the kindness and the mercy. And, the and how we ought to live. And how you ought to live. Yeah. So it's that. Now, maybe that's going to get resolved in the future. Maybe not. I don't know. But I know this, that aside from that one point, if you can hang on to your thoughts and others hang on to theirs, we can still find everything else compatible. And I've often found that. Yeah, I, I, in fact, you've you've even helped me a bit. You kind of come to our rescue at times uh, about this. Uh, even the time you said, you know, the, you you Christians, you may have a thought here because that that you know God could become a man. There, the incarnation is conceivable. Actually, may I say, and you in, said in, in chapter about, three of Moses, Exodus. Yeah, Moses yeah everybody says, reads, "I am what I am." Boop boop, you know. But that's not really what it says. It says, I will be what I will be. And I've always been fascinated why the Christians don't grab that, because that would seem to give them some meat to hang on to. Hey, man, I, pardon I want the, to become a par- man. I can become, pardon yeah. the pun about meat. Yeah, okay. Because certainly. Jesus being a man, meat. Flesh and blood. Yes, I get it. And incarnate means it, meat. Yeah, exactly in the, in right. the meat. Yeah, you got it exactly right. Well, I, I, I like that a lot, and I... I, I mean, I, I do think we're right. I think that Jesus was, and he seems to go out of his way to make the point himself. Uh, the Hebrew scriptures seem to intimate it clearly. And in the early believers, seem to very clearly state, you know, the word sure. became flesh. In the and, I want, and, so on. and I want every Christian to believe what they understand the Bible means, believe what their teachers teach them, if they're good teachers. Amen. And I want them to read the Bible, understand it as best they can, as just like Jews do. And, but I want them to hang on to the religion. And just because I approach something from a Jewish point of view, they don't have to accept that. Just consider it a cafeteria. You pick what you want, leave what you want. Yeah, and, and uh, the Lord will sort it, sort it all out. You know, he'll, make, he'll get it right. Uh, he knows our hearts and our desire. So anyway, there we, we've come to a good time to say, folks, have a great Christmas. Just celebrate the, 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 the birth of Messiah. Celebrate the God's redemptive plan. He loved us so much that he sent his son and and who voluntarily came, left off the free exercise of his divine prerogatives and initiatives as God, and just lived under the law, as Galatians said, that he was born in the right time. God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law. He lived as a man by faith, by trust, and total obedience and submission to the Father. And then he who knew no sin became sin for us. And uh, that's how we we come into the. That's how we become made right with God is through the work of the Redeemer. So uh, celebrate that this season, in every way. A lot of laughter, a lot of joy, a lot of enthusiasm. Tell your children, point faithfully to God's. And we're not talking about sort of impersonal theological truths here. We're talking about 
joyful, wonderful, life-changing truths. So uh, I hope we have a great Christmas celebration. We'll be reading the Gospel of Matthew uh, starting on Tuesday night, I think it is. So you can read and hear if you go to thebiblelive.com. You can pick up on the Bible readings there in the Gospel of Matthew. And we'll be back next Sunday with a whole other list of questions and taking your phone calls here on the Bible Live Quiz Show. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.